Pulls up. Alamon rejects it. Big time block, Julie Alamon. Elderbrink goes behind her back. Puts it up. Big time shot. She nailed it. Bukete. Behind the back to Burani. What a pass. You are listening to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Women's Worldwide Basketball Podcast. Carlin Gay alongside Natalia Melendez and Mr. Paul Nielsen. And uh, lady and gentlemen, how are you guys doing? First of all, happy Mother's Day, Natalia, and happy Mother's Day to, uh, to, to your wife, Paul. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, world. It's very early in the Caribbean, but I'm very happy to be here. It was a good day yesterday. It was a very good day. Yeah, thanks, Colin. But um, we celebrate Mother's Day on a different day, actually, here in the UK. So it wasn't Mother's Day oh. yesterday. Um, and I've just I've just kind of just had my lunch. You guys around breakfast and uh, our guest is uh, in an altogether different <laughs> time zone. I was just going to say that this is the this is the most favorable time zone for you. Uh, for the first time, we've had to sacrifice me, yes. myself and Italia over here in North America to be up <laughs> early to do the pod. Uh, but for good reason, because we have one of our favorite people uh, yes. in basketball <laughs> on yes, the line yes. with us, Mr. Tom Hovis, the head coach right. of the Japanese women's national team. Tom, long time yeah. no see, long time no talk. How are you? Oh, great. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, very happy to be on this podcast. Um, you know, we had a, we all met each other in Belgium a couple months ago, and the times have changed a little bit. Uh, I'm doing fine here in Japan. I don't get to speak to a lot of people face to face, but that's part of the, uh, the world we live in right now. But things are going fine. This is the beauty of this podcast. We're, we're four different people in four different countries right now being able to talk about hoops. That's awesome. And uh, you can find some light, I guess, in the uh, situation that we're in. But um, due to the situation that we're in, you would actually be a month away or, or just about a month away from really gearing up for the Olympic Games. How, how has that changed for you? And, and what's the, the feeling like in Japan at the moment? You know... We had, uh, in April, we had set up a, a, a USA tour. We were going to play Team USA two games. We had uh, four, four games set up against WNBA teams. Uh, that was going to be over a two-week period in the end of April and uh, the first week in May. So we were, you know, that was going to be our, our jumping-off point for the Olympics. And, uh, you know, it came and went. And... You know, it is what it is. I, you know, this this pandemic is uh, bigger than basketball. Uh, we're just trying to, uh, you know, keep keep in front of our competition, trying to do whatever we can uh, to keep the girls motivated and uh, to keep everyone focused on our goal. Have you been able to to speak? Like, are you in constant um, communication with your players? How are they doing? Uh, I yeah, I, I do. I FaceTime with my players every now and then. Um, you know, we. I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, Home Court AI. It's an application for your phone. And basically, all of our players have that. And it's got some workout schedules and ball handling drills, agility drills. Uh, for the players that have use of a gym, we can track their shots. And it, it's actually, yeah, it keeps us, uh, you know, a little bit involved with everybody right now. What's the name of the application again? Uh, Home Court AI. I believe it's NBA sponsored. I think Sue Bird also is a is a spokesman for it. Mm. Yeah, but all all my players are are with their respective teams. So half of, about half of them have use of a gym. Uh, the other half are just you know pounding the rock out in their driveway. It's <laughs> 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 about all we can do. Gonna I was gonna say Tom for for you probably more than any other coach. Obviously being the home coach. Uh, the Olympics and obviously the, the postponement. What's that been like for you even like outside of um, basketball, just in terms of living in the country and the decision to postpone and how Japanese people in general have taken the decision and, you know, all of this planning for so long and then it's it's put on hold. What's that been like? Yeah, 
I think uh, when they before they postponed it, uh, you know, I think the world was was starting to ask why they haven't postponed it, and and you know, I think the pressure started building on the IOC and the JOC. Uh, when they finally postponed it, actually for me, it it was kind of a relief that they did it as soon as they did. So we know what we're into. You know, we we can start trying to work on you know the next year's schedule uh, as a as opposed to thinking, oh, I wonder what what's going to happen, what what's going to happen next in Japan. You know, you know I, I look out my window and. You know, I, I live on Tokyo Bay and, you know, there's this huge Olympic rings set up. You know, they've got all, you know, the Olympic Village, the Athletes Village is right outside my window here. Wow. And wow. everything's ready to go. <laughs> and now it's just on hold. And now it's a money thing. Everybody's wondering, you know, what to do with the Athletes Village. Uh, they were actually they were actually talking about using it as a as a hospital for COVID-19 patients for a while. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say, though, Tom, that um, in terms of the postponement in general, like you say, it has a, obviously an impact in sports huge in every country. And yeah. I know Japan has a great reputation for how much they love sport. How, yeah. how important do you think it is that, you know, you're speaking about the players who are back at their clubs. How important is it, do you think, as a, um, as a society, in Japan for them to see basketball again and how long do you think it will be before you know you get you get back on the court in person and because I know every the amazing thing about COVID-19 is every country seems so different in their approach yeah yeah it's so true uh in terms of society you know the Olympics were such a big part of everyday life here for you know, since they announced we were going to have the Olympics, so, you know, six, five, six years, and, you know, all the construction that was going on, and all the advertising, you know, I see trains now that are, you know, they have stickers slapped on them talking about the Olympics, and, you know, obviously that was a, a planned marketing event, you know, months ago, not realizing that uh, nobody's here right now, so it's been a letdown, you know, obviously, but like every other country, I think, you know, we see the bigger picture and, you know, we've got to weather this storm before we can move on. And I think the Japanese people are very good at that. Um, yeah. What was your second, what was the second part of your question there, Paul? I'm sorry. Just, just I think more about the domestic, just about the domestic arrangements outside of the Olympics in terms of your players um, getting back onto the court, the domestic league yeah. and kind of prospects are for that and I guess as well just to build momentum towards next year just uh kind of other sports as well just you know Japan as a society getting back out and playing sport at all levels yeah you know the national training center is closed down uh it'll be closed uh at least until the end of May uh there the club teams are all on different schedules like Toyota they share their gym with uh with other teams so they've just shut it down uh whereas denso's open mitsubishi's open you know so everybody's on a different uh, kind of schedule right now you know and it makes it hard for the players that don't have access to a gymnasium but i always you know i tell my players that other countries don't i don't think they have it as good as we do in terms of you know access to a gym or uh you know access to a, you know, a basketball court. Whereas, you know, the, in terms of lockdown, we are in a so-called lockdown. When I was in America until March 19th, and it was a lot, uh, there was a lot more tension in the air. Uh, when I got here, I was a little surprised. It was a little lackadaisical uh, with people, you know, cramming on trains and still going to work. Um, it's really, you know, I think the lockdown has taken a bigger effect now where people are listening to it a little bit more. Um, but the numbers really haven't, uh, thankfully, they haven't uh, exploded like they have in, let's say, New York or or Italy. So, you know, I, 
you know this thing i don't i don't know you know every you know everybody's thinking that with such a dense population uh, everybody's on top of each other it'd be a lot worse but thankfully so far it hasn't been it's gonna cost uh, japan 2.7 billion dollars to postpone yeah i yeah i've heard i've heard bigger numbers too thrown around yeah crazy and that's you know that's you know they've already they're already probably five billion in wow well, yeah. what, what what was the excitement like? Uh, you know, heading into you know the Olympic Games, I'm 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 assuming, uh, you know that that excitement level is going to get right back up there next year when yeah. uh, when when things you know get sort of get back to normal. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, yeah. But what was what was that like? What was the build like? What was being a part of that like? It was great. You know, they they asked for volunteers, right? So volunteers uh, to help the Olympics run smoothly. And they turned away, I want to say like a hundred thousand people. So people were volunteering. You know, they want they wanted to be a part of this. Um, the the you couldn't get tickets. They had draw ceremonies for tickets. It was hard to get tickets. It was you know, this was supposed to be one of the biggest Olympics in terms of draw uh, ever, is what they were saying in terms of selling tickets and people coming uh, to the country. In terms, in terms of the team, Tom, do you think, yeah. do you think the delay kind of hinders you? It helps you, or is it kind of like just one of these balanced situations where it's, you know, because I'm guessing some teams maybe with veteran players it it makes it worse. With younger players, it might make it better. Yeah. But what's it? What's your broad sense in terms of yourselves of a team? If you if you put preparation to the side and you're just talking about kind of the Probably, I'm guessing nine, ten players who are locks, and then you know yeah. the other players you're still making decisions on. Uh, we were ready to go, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> we were ready to go, and we will be ready to go once uh, we're able to. I think individually, you know, I I, I called uh, 20, 20 players. The, these were the twenty players I was going to call to our next camp. Um, and you know, two players, Yoshida and Osaki, our point guard and our center, they they came out of retirement to play in Belgium, and they were they were trying out for the you know for the team, and now both of them, I think, were hit pretty hard with this uh, year postponement. Whereas I, I had a couple players, uh, Miyazawa, who didn't make it to Belgium because she had some tendonitis in her knee. She she was happy, you know. Now she can rehab her leg and get in and be in better shape next year. So it's been case by case individually. Team wise, you know, we were we had a four year plan. You know, now we just have to stretch it to five. You when you look at the uh when you look at this Olympic Games, I, I think in in the famous car ride uh that uh Paul and Natalia shared uh and yeah. myself shared to, that actually started this podcast, we ended up talking ourselves into about five or six teams that could legitimately uh, go out and either claim their first medal or or compete against the U.S. for for the gold medal, and yeah. we came away saying that this is probably the most you know uh, you know wide open field that we had uh, at an Olympic Games. When you look at the landscape uh, in women's basketball, what does that say? Where you and, and where do you see yourselves at right now within that kind of uh, field? Yeah, uh, just by the way, I've I've listened to all your podcasts. You guys have said some very nice things and. Uh, you know, uh, so appreciative that you guys uh, in three games were able to kind of see what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, so we're, I'm very thankful that that uh, you guys have this voice and I'm able to come on and speak as well. Um, you know, yeah, the, I, I was there in the years past. There were power, you know, America is always a powerhouse, but, you know, the gap is has has gotten smaller there and you know two through seven two through eight i think it's it's wide open and i believe natalia in one of your podcast in one of the podcasts you said that whoever is the healthiest mm -hmm. will have the best chance and and i agree with that one thousand percent you know whoever has you know, whoever is healthy and whoever is firing on all cylinders will have a very good shot. And and I like our chances. You know, we have a I'm I'm not a I'm not afraid to say it. We have we have a very high goal here. And uh, you know, 
I'm, you know, I, we want to win a gold medal. <laughs> That's yes. what we want to do. Yeah. You know, people might say we're crazy, but you know what? Crazy sometimes happens. Coach, um, you, you are amazing. I don't know if you know, but after that tournament, we all became kind of like Havas uh, fans <laughs> because the, because the way you you know you 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 lead this team. But I have a question to ask you: Who is the trainer yeah. of this team? That that has to be one of the secrets because the stamina <laughs> of this Japan team is out of this world. Like It's to play crazy. the way you guys do. It's crazy, Natalia. Uh, I'll I'll give you guys a, a quick glimpse of like uh, one day. Of it's not only the national team, but when I was on my club team, this is kind of a snapshot of women's basketball in Japan. Okay, a lot of the girls live in the dormitory, right next to the gym. So, six uh, thirty shots, eight o'clock, eight in the morning breakfast, ten uh, to twelve thirty practice, individual practice, five on zero practice, uh, in weight training. Uh, and then from two to three is individual training. And then from three to five thirty is team practice, five on five, full bore, uh, dinner, six thirty or seven. And then they shoot at seven thirty every day, every day, every day. But not every, you know, that, that's, that's amazing. That's the way to make basketball women's growth because not every country can afford to have everybody yeah. like that. Yeah, no. And, you know, The culture, the basket, the women's basketball culture in Japan is, is amazing. When I came here 11 years ago, I was, you know, I was floored just at the dedication of the players and the staff and the backing that we get uh, from, from the JBA, the association. It's amazing. It really is. I mean, it's top notch. No, no. Can Japan players uh, leave of basketball? Can they like, leave? Live? Like, like, live? like, live like meaning, how do you, I oh, don't yeah. know how to say that oh, in yeah. English. Like, they get paid enough, like, to dedicate just to basketball. They get paid, they get paid very well. Very wow. well. Yeah. Uh, you know, the teams, like, uh, they're not all corporate teams. There are some teams that are sponsor driven um, where their salaries aren't as high. But the club team I was on was uh, JX Enios, which is the largest uh, oil company in Japan. Wow. Uh, Toyota is, is a, you know, so I was considered a, an employee of JX, uh, Toyota, Genso, Hitachi, Aishin, they're all, they're all major corporations. And just to give you an example, when uh, JX has been the powerhouse, so JX, uh, when I was there, we, had, we won 15 out of 16 championships. And, you know, we had Yoshida, Fujioka, Miyazawa, Osaki, Tokashiki, I mean, we had, we have, you know, JX has major players. Mm -hmm. Whenever they win a championship, the company will take out a full page color ad in the biggest sports newspaper here in Japan. And I heard it's like $250,000 just for that ad. Oh. Isn't that crazy? I mean, yes. there, there's a lot of support for women's basketball here. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's incredible to hear. Um, yeah, but not not a lot of countries have that sort of money to to be able to to no. pour into the sport. But yeah. being there and living that, what are some of the things that you know some other countries may be able to kind of uh, replicate without the the large bankroll? Well, you know, <clears throat> you know, obviously we're not the biggest team, so we're going small ball. But you know, basketball is trending towards analytics and. Uh, you know, it might not look like it, but I, I, I am an old school basketball guy. But, you know, in order for us to win, we have to play a fast brand of basketball. So you don't, you know, in terms of shooting, you go out and shoot, a, a, you know, a thousand shots a day. Um, you know, you, you can work out and run anywhere. You know, it's just it's just it's just dedication and, you know, the, the standards that uh that are here are, uh, are 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 incredible i i know paul and uh, natalia wanted would want to dig a little deeper into that i i meant more so from like a marketing perspective in terms of like getting people involved and 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 making uh, putting a spotlight so to speak on on the women uh because like yeah. i said not a lot of countries have the money to take out a full page spread uh, right, right, in, right. you know the big papers but 
uh, what are some of the things that they could do to keep you know the community interested or or get more interest from the community and create more fans and and really put a spotlight uh, when they don't have the money to to, to kind of go out there and say hey we just won this championship or 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 you know we're playing here tonight. Japan is so the league the league has you know they they do they have a marketing budget and they put you know they put flyers out and the league is interesting because you know there's two major championships in the country one is a in is a mid-season it's called the all japan tournament where high school teams can make it um it's it's crazy club teams are are can make it and then you know the tournament has like uh 60 teams and then it gets whittled down and typically it gets whittled down to the to the best club teams the pro teams but it's it's everybody in the country watches it and the and the semifinals and the championships are on are on nhk live i mean they're live events uh, you know women's basketball is live and uh high school high school events are live here um you know i think you know japan really does love uh basketball and they they love a winner especially on the international mm-hmm. stage and if you've proven that you can win on the international stage they they back you man that's fast high school high school teams could could compete in a tournament to play against pro that's amazing oh it's crazy so tokashki you know tokashki our center uh when she was in high school they had a very good high school team and i actually they they got into the tournament. They beat a couple college teams. They might have even beaten a club team. Yeah. It's fun. You know, when I played here, I played here for 10 years. And, you know, I, I, you know, I was a 30-year-old professional. I played all over the world. And, and, and I'm in this tournament, and I'm playing a high school kid. And it's just like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. It's interesting. It really is. Was that was that the moment you realized you might have had to retire when the uh, high school kid? Might <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Well, you're probably lost. Yes. <laughs> that was when the, that was when they were doing all the windmill jams and the warm ups. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say earlier. Just um, a gen, some general points. I mean, actually. When you talk about the daily schedule and Natalia said about the the, the fitness of the team, um, yeah. I remember Amanda Zowie on her uh, appearance as a co-host on the podcast when she was saying that, you know, these girls sprint. You know, they don't <laughs> run sprint mm-hmm. everywhere. So that, that popped yeah. in my mind. And the other thing yeah. was about um, what kind of elements that um, other countries can can learn from, from Japan basketball. For me, it's the the art of shooting. I know it's something that I hammer every podcast. But what what yeah. do they say? You can't teach height. So if you guys actually had more taller players, then I think you would probably have the perfect the perfect yeah. recipe. But I see so many nations where they have the height and they could teach the shooting yeah. skill, but they just don't do it. And it, it it honestly it frustrates the life out of me. So if we yeah. flip that on its head. I would say that Japan have always been one naturalized um, front court player away from from podiums at most events, but I yeah. guess that's a political sensitive issue, um, and it's kind of died a bit of a death um, in the well, past year. Yeah, I tried to get uh, uh, foreigners back in the league, but it just it didn't happen. Um, yeah, we've we've leveled up in terms of our size, so you know. There's no six foot eight, six foot nine inch center coming up through our high school ranks or our college ranks. So what we've done over, you know, it's been four or five years. We've been taking four men and putting them in the three spot, three men putting them in the two spot. And we've just been uh, leveling up at every position. Uh, Obviously, we can't, you know, we can't level up with the five spot. Um, and I like having a small point guard, so it's not, it's not a problem there, but, uh, you know, we've, we are actually now, I think at the point where we, we are very competitive on the boards. We are competitive defensively, uh, you know, and we don't have to double team as much as we used to, which really helps us a lot in terms of our basketball uh style you know obviously it's it's space and pace and sprinting to the corners uh i i like you paul i love shooters and i'm to the point now 
where if a shooter doesn't shoot when they're open, and when I mean open, you know, just a very small window, um, I, I get mad then. I get mad when they don't take shots. Wow. And yeah, I used to, you know, back in the day when I was a player, you know, work the ball, work the ball. I'm working the ball for the best first shot. And and if you want a shot, uh, you better sprint to the corner. You better space. You better do your job within our system. And the ball's going to find you because we don't, you know, we I don't, I've never seen a selfish player on our team ever. And uh, everybody knows that, you know, everybody has a role and everybody's stand. It's, it's simple in my eyes. It's hard to do. I think it, it takes, you know, it, it takes, you know, obviously dedication and, and understanding of what we're doing and fitting in, finding your role. Um, but I think it would be a fun system to play in, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so, it's, so cool that you're, you're you're talking to us about this because we never well i never saw you lose your cool during a game yeah yeah is this, is this behind doors are you tough behind doors i am i am i am i you know it's funny i i i'll i'll invite coaches to my practices uh, at the national training center and they say the same thing they're like man you don't you don't you say two words and they're on it and they do it and they get it down but it took a while, you know, I mean, I, I am tough in practice. Uh, I've calmed down a lot as, as, as the older I've gotten. Um, but the players understand me now. I, I, you know, I've been here 11 years and mm -hmm. I've coached, I've coached Pukowski for 10. I've coached Mizawa for nine, Takata for 10. So yeah, they know me. They know what they, they know the standard that we need to play at every day. Uh, in order to reach our goal and it's a high standard you said something there that's th that stuck out to me and and, and kind of hit home with me here because over the last two years i've kind of uh you know uh do, being able to cover the game like i do i've kind of had to look at the game completely differently than the way i was taught it and all of my yeah. mentors kind of taught me the game and it was tough yeah. it was you know you know i, I had the uh, instead of the come to jesus moment i had to come to the calculator moment where i, yeah. I really had to you know start looking at the numbers and, and making them make sense to what I was seeing on the court. You yeah. played in a completely different style, a completely different era. So how yeah. hard was it for you to kind of make that transition into what you're doing now? It's funny. Uh, I, th I, I think about this a lot. When I, I played, you know, I went to college from 85 to 89 and my sophomore year is when they first put in the three point line. And from that point on, I was shooting threes. I was a three-point shooter. And, <laughs> you know, back in the day, I just, I, you know, I'd, I'd joke with my teammates. You know, they're like, hey, you know, you know, your assists are down. I was like, my assist to you is you getting my offensive rebound and putting it back in. That's my assist to you, you know, just as a joke. But, you know, it's kind of come to that now where, you know, three-point shooters are in demand. And it, 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 it's definitely a commitment, Carlin. Uh, you know, I felt like we were playing fast in Rio and I saw some of our footage and I'm like, man, that's, that's not as fast as I thought it was. We're, we're a lot faster now. The ball's moving uh, a lot better now. And um, yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a, a it, it's been an adjustment for me, but I love it. I really do. I'm, I'm an analytical thinker and, you know, if, if I see, uh, you know, this is a hypothetical. It's a secret between us. If I see, you know, a long two being shot by <laughs> Emma Mason, you know, I, I I don't like long twos at all. I I I tell them to take a step back for the three, and uh, you know, it's just analytic. And they do that yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's become natural for us. Now. Yes. Yeah, it's become natural for us now. <clears throat> so it's actually, you know. Yeah. mentally when you see your opponent like pounding it into the post which is fine because that's you know they have the the size and everything but that's not analytically that's not the best shot in basketball anymore so you know if they're getting 0 0.96 points per possession and we're at 1.1 you know we're gonna win yeah <laughs>
that that also takes a lot of patience though to to to, to kind a of lot. coach that way because th- there's basketball's a game of runs there's going to be times where the three isn't falling we, we actually saw that in belgium oh. but you, you oh guys had the patience to to stick with it and all of a sudden yeah. we're in a game yeah yeah it that was that was uh, a long stretch in uh verse against belgium uh we actually had uh, when we played Australia in the Asian Olympic qualifying tournament, uh, that they had Liz Cambridge there, and I mean that was their team, and we had we had eight pointers in the first eight three pointers in the first eight minutes of the game. Uh, we were up thirty to thirteen with two minutes to go in the first quarter, and then I think we scored like six points over the next eight game minutes. <laughs> we just. <laughs> So it, it was, it was, and then we got hot again. I mean, you're definitely right about being patient because I will never tell my players to not shoot an open three. But you guys also have an inside game because I remember that first yeah. game in Belgium, that first game in Belgium, I have all my notes for the first game and what's in Japan. And of course, in my notes, I have that this team takes mm. a certain amount of three pointers and their percentage yep. is ridiculous. You know, it's, it's yep. really high. But the first game you guys play, you guys went inside all the time with the center and I love Maui and, and it was effective as well. So yeah. it, it's, you know, you guys have a balance. Yeah. And then we preach that it, it's not all threes. It can't be all threes. Um, the, the inside game is very important to the balance and it's, and it's threes, twos and free throws. And, um, you know, we actually, you know, we shoot a, fairly high percent from from the paint we get a lot of paint points but that has to do with our three-point shooters because you know they're out denying our wings which gives us space in the paint to uh, to attack so it's all part and parcel with with our plan and you know when it's when it's working it's great does, does your center always have those movements or oh, that's something she developed because when you see her you think she's slow and, and you know she you know Typical tall mm-hmm. girl, but she can move. Tokashi? She have a, a good people Tokashi? work. Yes, the big, the, the skinny yeah. tall girl with short hair. I, Tokashi, I think. Yeah, she played in the WNBA. She played uh, at Seattle. No, she's very fast. She's one of our fastest players. She's like a super athlete. Yes. She's super athletic. Uh, she, you know, she, the the well, it's kind of a, a different story. But you know, in Japan basketball is called a lot differently here there's a lot of there's a lot of touch fouls and it's not as physical so i think a lot of our players ha- have uh, a little bit of a, an adjustment to FIBA basketball because it's a lot more physical and you know that's something yes. that we're constantly working on uh, but yeah no tokashi is uh, is a very accomplished player takata actually didn't play in belgium and she's my starting center she's you know she had uh, against Belgium in the World Cup. She had 26. Pat, you have another set? Yeah, Takata's our captain. Yeah, she got <laughs> – we landed in Belgium, had a practice the next day, and she hurt her back. She threw her back out, so she was out. And Miyazawa was out as well. And uh, Tom, just in terms of what you said about um, having to adapt as a – I suppose in your own mentality a little bit, like you said, you were a shooter, but, you know, so that helped in terms of the yeah. transition and – Giving, giving your players the green light and the confidence to shoot the ball. In terms of coaching in Japan, um, yeah. I thought one of the most interesting things was uh, Lucas Mondello of Spain going to uh, going to Japan after all of yeah. his success in Europe. Do you ever come across uh, Lucas? And have you ever had a conversation with him, or have you looked at um, his kind of styles? Because he's obviously going the other way, and that he's having to having to come from Europe, um, maybe yeah. some tall centers when he won Euroleague women and having to adjust in a similar way. Yeah, he's he's at Toyota now. So uh, we we have uh, our paths have crossed. I go to a lot of games, um, you know, just to watch. He's he's got several of my players on his team. Uh, you know, it he's a very nice he's a very nice guy. And, you know, I was just a little upset at Toyota for bringing in, you know, another national team <laughs> coach. <laughs> <laughs> right before the Olympics, and Denzel brought in uh, uh, Serbia's coach as well. So my, my job, you know, our job got a lot more difficult because they're getting front row seat to scout. Yeah. But he's running, yeah. he's running a very similar system to what he did uh, at Spain. But yeah. he doesn't have any big centers on his team, so I, you know, I think there's a little bit of an adjustment there for him. 
Yeah, I mean the move the, the Spain always known for moving the ball well and kind of I suppose having more options than most teams and ha- happy to do that with the different options. So um but yeah, I just thought that was quite an interesting dynamic kind of yeah, double edged sword, I suppose, Japanese coaches yeah. learning from yourself, from Lucas, from other other people coming in, but obviously not not blocking too many pathways for um for, for Japan basketball as well in terms of coaching. Yeah, yeah, you know that you know, obviously, you know, we were talking about, you know, players making decent money and salaries and, you know, the teams are vested in this. I mean, bringing in Lucas, you know, is, is not a small feat. And, you know, the the teams really are are, are putting a, a, lot, a lot of money behind what they, you know, what they want to do and how they want to play. And, you know, it, it, you know, for a national team coach, it's not great, but for Japan overall, I think it's, it's great. You know, the players are learning from, you know, one of the greatest coaches uh, in women's basketball. So. I mean, the frustration, the frustration for me, I think in taking um, maybe the Japanese league and giving it more global exposure might be that point about um, not having um, many foreign players in. And obviously it always is a yeah. bit of a balancing act, um, but just maybe just to improve the experience of the national team players. I know it's obviously they always have to take precedence. And I'm guessing in a, a nation like Japan, very proud, great tradition, they, they would always continue to do so. But um, interesting kind of the Korean league, you know, in the same area of the world in Asia, I think they have quite a limited, is it one or two import players? Um, but that's interesting kind of, Sure. Yeah, what I when I played, I I started playing here in Japan in 1990, and that was back during the bubble economy. And the women had foreign players here, so the women's league had foreign players. They were getting Teresa Edwards, Venus Lacy. I mean, they had the best of the best. They had all Olympian, uh, you know, U.S. Olympians here, and they were making back in 1990. They were making. Uh, I heard 400, 500 thousand. Yeah. And then the bubble burst and then the, wow. the economic bubble burst and then they they couldn't afford that anymore. So then they just got rid of uh, all the foreign players. And what what's making it very difficult to get the foreign players back into our league, obviously, is money. But they they the teams are always, you know, the league is always saying, well, you know, we're doing better now as a national team. Why do we need to? Why do we need to bring foreigners? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an uphill struggle. Mm. I would love to see foreign players here for sure. But. What's the balance there? What would be your? What would be the best case scenario there? I, I know, um, you know, we're biased in in, in terms yeah. of just getting the best players in the best leagues possible. But what what would be the balance to, well, to, to serve both parties in that uh, in that situation? Is there a, you're capping at three international players? One so just or, to get started, just to get one in you know one per team. And and but I'm also you know we're also trying to work on getting because the system here the best high school players go pro. So straight out of high school they go they go right to the pro teams and they're making good money. So they don't go to college. They don't go the college route and I, I would love, you know, I've been trying to build a bridge from from Japan high school to like the NCAA. And that way, I think we can get more exposure for, for women's basketball as well here. And, you know, one player, uh, Norika Kono, she just went, she, she, she went to Louisville. So she just finished her freshman year at Louisville and she got some playing time. You know, so those type, those types of players, I think, would help you know, bridge that gap. Yeah, and I think actually the girl, the girl you mentioned, Tom, uh, linked back to that high school tournament you mentioned earlier. I'm sure she got yeah. a, some great exposure on social media for the kind of highlights clips she had uh, on those, actually. And I think maybe that played part of the part of the reason why Louisville was so so keen to get her. Yeah, and I think they saw her at an under like an under sixteen event. Jeff Jeff Walls, you know, he's great. He he saw her, loved her, and he he came over here a couple times to talk to her, and you know, he really went after. Her. I you know, I see Japan basketball. And I see so many good players, and I I really want to get the world to know them and try to get to know them better. And mm-hmm. 
you know, I hopefully that'll come with the Olympics. And, you know, if we can, you know, play the way I think we can play and, you know, I think good things will come from that. Is that something that you're, 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 you're aware of? Is that, uh, cause as you said, you, you're, you're, you're still coming from an outsider perspective into a country where you obviously know the culture very well. You've been there yeah, you close know, for to 30. How, how many years now, <laughs> 30 plus years, right. Playing and, and living, uh, and it, and it's, it, is that something that you kind of, uh, you know, feel the, the responsibility of is, is not just, you know, representing the country the right way, but hopefully putting a spotlight so that some of the other players, uh, you know, 10 years down the line, get the, the fruits of what, what you're trying to build. For me, I, I wanted it, it for me, it was more, more player based. I, I want the players here to realize how good they are because they're good. And for me, once you get that belief as a player, once you once you get that belief in yourself and and everybody gets it, then the team is just going to be so much stronger. And you know, for for a lot of for a lot of years, I felt you know being close was good enough, but it's not. No, we're good enough to win. We're good enough yeah. to beat these teams. It's just you know. So I I really wanted to improve the belief system of of everybody, and and I think that would would raise everybody's standards up and it would raise women's basketball up here in Japan and hopefully the world. And, um, yeah. And then, and then the younger kids can see that. And, you know, once that barrier is broken, then forget about it. It's just going to be just a lot more up and coming players. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why I tweeted about, uh, Ramu, um, Takashi, even if I could just say it for one season in EuroLeague women, just to show, um, you know, and I don't want to take away from a great league like the Japanese league. And it sounds like, yeah. you know, you want to take players out of Japan. And I know she played in the WNBA, but I felt as though the fact that we were in, in Ostend in Belgium, and there's a European audience as well, who would just, I would love it to, to, to see a player like that in EuroLeague women. And um, yeah, when, when it comes to the college route, I think, for me, it's the same in any country. People ask me, or, you know, sometimes I get parents contacting me um, confidentially because, you know, they're trying to listen to an agent. They're trying to listen to a college yeah. coach. And they're not sure what to do. And they always say that, you know, it, it depends on the individual. And I, I get a little frustrated, I think, when certain nations have a favoured kind of option mm -hmm. and everybody follows because I think surely the best course of action is that you have a mixed economy where some players go pro, some players yeah. go to college. Um, and I think having such a diverse experience um, for different people ultimately is going to help the league, the national team and, and, and everybody. And, you know, I, I think it's true that, um, it you know, we've mentioned that that phrase, oh, I have double-edged sword. And I think that's, that's the something that Japan will have to grapple with in terms of the league and the, the, the up-and-coming players. Um, yeah, really, really interesting one. Tokoski actually just had some bad luck. So she was she wanted to play in Europe, and uh, she went to the WNBA, uh, did okay, uh, but she was very interested in going to Europe. But she's had like this this foot injury that was nagging her, and every time she was going to make the jump, the injury you know an injury would pop up, so she couldn't and. It was just really, really bad timing. She, I think if given a chance, she definitely would do that. Uh, there's a couple other players that have expressed interest in playing in the WNBA or overseas. And for me, I think that would be fantastic. I would love to see that. I would, you know, I'd go watch. Sounds like It sounds like there's not, uh, you know, any pushback from from anybody if, if a player decided to to go over. So is this more of a, they're just getting paid so well, and you could live at home to do so that it's hard to, to leave. You really have to be, you know, wanting to, 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 I guess, do it from a competitive standpoint or language, language, language problem. Uh, a lot of, the, you know, most of my players don't speak English. Uh, and I think that's kind of the biggest problem, especially when you're talking about a guard or a point guard, you know, you need, you need uh, communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Communication. So I think English is a big problem. There's there's girls that are stuttering, studying on their own, you know, and that can be overcome. 
and I don't think it's the money. I, you know, I, I, there's been a number of players who really want to go out and try, but also, you know, no European coach, the, the European coaches don't know anybody over here. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I don't think, I don't think there's ever been a European coach that has reached out and said, Hey, can we, we're interested in Tokashki or Miyazawa. I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, and I, I think in the women's game as well, we've talked so much about at all levels, there's a shortage of really, really good quality shooting talent. And, you know, when you yeah. factor in those extra elements of playing damn hard, um, energy levels and everything like that, I don't see why any any team, whether right. it be NCAA, WNBA or EuroLeague women, Euro Cup women wouldn't want to, want to have a look instead of the default setting which is always america first even if it's not you know the top tier of players so yeah right. I mean, that would be brilliant i would love to see that so if there's anybody out I there would... gems in europe there's there's players out there in, in asia and in japan worth looking at yeah call paul and paul contact me and we'll get it going all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have all um, colin colin I've I've got a question question for the jaw dropper if you want to do yes, it. Yes, sir. Uh oh. <laughs> Let's do it. Am I involved in this? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's not, it's not a controversial <laughs> one, Tom. I knew I knew obviously you're in a very responsible position and <laughs> Okay. This is very rare, by the way, Tom. This is like this is like <laughs> the first time ever that it's not gonna be a controversial <laughs> I'm question. Starting to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> It just got me thinking, Colin, on the last podcast, you um, very strongly um, said that Emma Messerman was one of the top five players in the world. That's what I said. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to know who are the top three players in the world right now, as it stands. Somebody knows nothing about women's basketball and they say to you on a train or, well, you'd struggle to be on a train at the minute, but basically said, oh, Colin, so who are the the best three players in the world? And I'm going to let you off. Look, I'm not even going to ask for the order. I just want the three best players in the world. That's this is very tough on the spot. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you know what? I'll say this. I'll say that I'm going to use the uh, my 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 back out is going to be being able to to say that for different styles, there are different players that would benefit from uh, you know from a different playing style. So hang on, uh, hang on, hang on. I, hang on. Before the person on the train starts snoring because they know nothing about basketball, <laughs> who are the best three players in the world because they want that Instagram address or whatever? Come on, off the fence, three best players in the world, Natalia. No, 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 Tom, for that primera, no, not me first. I'm sorry, no. I know, understand English. <laughs> To their first language to get off the hoop. Come on, then, Colin. <laughs> All right, I, I, uh, I have to. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit uh, biased to North America because mm-hmm. that's where I live and don't have the ability to see everybody all the time. Uh, but like I said, Emma's Emma's in the top five for me, uh, and her teammate is in the top three when she's healthy. I think Elena Deladon is uh, oh, yeah. one of the best players in the world. Um, I, I, I honestly. Uh, before before her injury, um, I, I thought that you know we were we were getting to a point where if you if you look at how how good Seattle has been in the last uh, couple of years, and uh, you, you you look at um, you know the guidance that she's been kind of getting uh, under under mm-hmm. Sue Bird and being able to win, and I, and I know she actually got injured uh, in Europe, and then you know the, the great college career that she was able uh to 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 also have i, I think brianna stewart yeah. should be in the yeah. conversation as well uh when she's healthy um and then last but not least i know we're moving away from you know the the, the pounded inside but Brittany griner is is i mean she's someone that you just have to sort of game plan for uh no matter where in the world or what style of play you you want to play in the world i don't think there's anyone that you can do you um, take, you take you Brittany know, over Liz ignore yeah uh, well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say Liz it, it, between Liz and Brittany. I, for me, I think I, I sl- slight defensive edge to Brittany. Um, uh-huh. When when Liz is motivated, though, I mean, is there a better player in the world? Probably not, or a more dominant force in the world? Probably yeah. not. Um, but I, I give the slight edge to Brittany for for bringing it. 
I guess, 100 percent of the time where you don't have to kind of dangle the carrot in front of her uh, on, on certain occasions. But you get Liz motivated. She's probably the most dominant force in, in women's basketball today. Well, bra- bra- bravo, Colin, because uh, I think that's three solid choices. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty simple, basically. I think you've got to have Liz in there. You've got to have um, Rihanna Stewart in there. And I'm, I'm going I'm going Messerman. I mean, I think Della Donne before she got injured, as you say, probably would have edged her out. But as it stands, May 2020, um, I'm going for those three. Stewie, Cambridge, and Messerman. I think we might have seen, though, the, the, the torture being passed in person in Belgium. Uh, because what Emma did uh, with all that pressure on her at home might have set her up for you know uh, you know realizing that she's 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 really one of the best players in the world when uh, when she's on on the basketball court and then sometimes sort of that confidence is uh, and not to say that she didn't have it before but sometimes when you when you're able to achieve and lead in that situation where she she didn't have to be that person uh, you know for for her WNBA team um, you know, she was able to kind of uh, and I know she won Finals MVP don't get me wrong but she was able to kind of be um, Robin to to you know Elena Deladon's Batman, but now you know she she has she, she has the realization that hey I could put a team on my back and, and take it to the promised land so to speak and do it at the highest level. So maybe maybe that's uh, maybe the torch was passed and, and yeah, she is well, that's all that's all very lovely, Colin, but she doesn't make it top three. <laughs> <laughs> she did she did not, but. But I, I do want to say because we've never mentioned her on this podcast. I I, I love Brianna Stewart's game, and I think that you know she has the, the opportunity to be one of the yes. the best we've ever seen. Yeah, Natalia, Natalia I'm very who, disappointed who, who, of both of you because I cannot believe Diana Taurasi is not in oh your boy. list. Amen. She's my number four, <laughs> Natalia. She's. I don't know if these are the the best the best three, but I'm. I'm you know, for my taste, I love Diana Taurasi, of course, Brianna Stewart, and I'm very excited to see, and I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait. Can you hear me? Oh. Yes. Papi. Oh, we might have lost. We might have lost her. Might have lost. She's asking for advice on our third choice. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though uh, about DT. She is she is one of the best players you know in 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 basketball history. But history. I don't know if she's in the top five anymore. Oh my! Currently, I've said it before. Erin Hortensia yeah, for the for the the greatest ever player that's ever played female wise. So yeah, but yeah, but just as it stands right now, May twenty twenty. That's that Without was kind of my selection. Natalia, are you back? I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I was I was saying Diana Daurasi, Brianna Stewart. I love Brianna Stewart. And I'm very excited to see what Sabrina Ionescu will bring to the table. Well, we saw her in Oregon, but um, yeah. I'm very excited to see her in the WNBA and in the world. Yeah. She's interesting. She's an interesting player. As long as she gets a ball to Kia, everything will be all right. I can't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is she Canadian? No, she's oh. not. Whoa, she's not Canadian. No, no, no. Kia's Kia oh, well, on, Kia on her team. Yeah, in the backcourt, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it my turn, Paul? It is, Tom. You go for it, Tom. All right. So you guys have been watching The Last Dance, yes, right? Yes, and I was going to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah. With Michael, with, with Michael Jordan. I just watched the last two episodes today. And... How can you guys not have Diana on there? Thank you. I mean, just her listening to this podcast <laughs> will piss her off so much. She'll go out and, and be and play her have her best season yet. She's just that type of player. Uh, I was a I was I was a volunteer assistant coach with the Mercury for like a season and a half, and just watching her practice was was phenomenal. Just her energy and her, I mean, she just her refusal mm-hmm. to lose her individual training. The Suns players couldn't even do it. Steve Nash was able to do it, but the Suns players couldn't replicate what she was doing. It was crazy. And she was just so mentally tough. So, you know, if if Diana is still breathing and she's putting on, lacing up her shoes and putting on a uniform, she's in my top three. Uh, and I'm going to stick to my guns, man. I'm, I'm staying with this new type of basketball, the big shooting three. So I'm going to go Brianna and uh, Deladon. Can you imagine that length of those shooting and the spacing of the court? 
Holy cow. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, we've got, I mean, if you ignore positions, I think we've, you know, it's a pretty decent five or six with Griner, Cambridge, Wardelladonne, Stewart, yeah. uh, Messerman, you know. I don't think we've said anything outrageous there. No, no Motohashi, no, no point guard, uh, no Japanese point guard, not yet. After the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, well, I, I guess <laughs> the main thing is that you've been nice to Diana, so she's not going to drop at twenty five. <laughs> yes, yes, it's exactly right. <laughs> Which is going to give me hell in the press conference and all that. <laughs> uh, just, just. To- just to finish, maybe um, just you, you mentioned there about uh, the, the the documentary and watching it. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that? We it seems to be become a regular topic now. But uh, how are you enjoying that talk? I love it. You know that was that was my era, really. You know, I I just just watching. You know, obviously Michael Jordan. You forgot how strong willed he was, and then to watch you know clips of the game and the action. That dude was so good, man. It was just, he was so good. He was on just another level. And it's been fun. And, you know, you know, Scottie Pippen and, and, and Michael, you know, Duncan on Ronnie Cycli. Ronnie Cycli was a very big, mobile big man. And they were just dunking on him like oh, it was yeah. nothing. It's crazy. Because you you were you were with the Hawks in ninety four ninety five, so you you play against them. You, yes. you play against these guys. Yeah, yeah. Michael Michael was actually playing baseball that year, but he he actually came to one of our games and yeah. No, it was it was crazy. It was so physical. Basketball back then was just you just you know you're getting beat up. It was crazy. We asked the question. Uh last podcast on on if there was sort of a last dance for uh for it, with the women's game who would uh who would you like to see featured um but we'll ask you the question the same way diana diana mm-hmm. her you guys really i mean if you've if you've you know had a chance to sit down and talk to her and I mean, she's a super nice person but holy cow does she go after it man it's 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 fun it's fun to watch her go she's <clears throat> I've always said, you know, just in the players that I've played with in my years uh, and, you know, from what I've heard about Michael and Magic and Larry and all those guys, she's in that group. Like men or women, it doesn't matter. If you're that dominant at what you do for that long of a time, it's unbelievable what she's done. To me, she's the GOAT, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. The white mamba. Carlin, who who did you say? I forgot. Oh, uh, uh, the Houston Comets, the the, the team, the, the Houston Comets uh, that were able to to win and Paul, you know, what did Paul a say? million championships when the, the WNBA started. Tarazi, immediately. Yeah. I mean, to see to see, I think to try and t- for me to try and tap into how somebody ticks in that way. I mean, obviously at the elite level of all sports, there's got to be something there for the you know the all time great, something amazing, but. You know, she's had some ups and downs as well, which people sometimes overlook. Yeah. So, you know, and I think, and, and, you know, it was interesting on the last dance to see Jordan and some of the, you know, the blips in his career when his reputation was getting knocked a little bit. People were trying to, you know, the slightest thing was being blown out of probably all mm-hmm. proportion. Yeah. Everything that's on it. For me, it's, it's, it's not, we've all seen the games, the stats, um, you know, we've got memories, but, I think it's just the great thing about these documentaries is just seeing the the, the person behind the athlete as well. Yeah. Um, and actually, I was going I was going to ask you, Coach. Um, wh- one of the most interesting things to me about the last dance is, um, you know, you were obviously there around that time as a player, the locker room, and you know, things have changed over time in society, so things are different. Yeah. But just in terms of those, um, you know, Phil Jackson and trying to balance those characters, pressure from the G. The GMs and you know, it, it it struck me like the coach was kind of caught right in the middle of all that. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> for well, I I don't I hope hopefully I word this correctly. <laughs> in the NBA, I think a lot of coaches are managing like players, right? They're they're it's a it's a management of players. Whereas college coaches and professional coaches in Europe, or or especially for women, you you're coaching like you're coaching a team, but when you've got players that are making 
a heck of a lot more money than the coach and you know they, they kind of run things but the best nba teams over the last 25 years have had that solid foundation of a solid coach who's not afraid to say something and uh you know san antonio with popovich comes to mind and you know coaches that are actually there in, in coaching are are especially for me back in the 90s it was kind of crazy i you know the players had a lot of power back then you get that sense when or for, oh, i get that sense when when jackson's you know you're speaking to jackson now in the current day and he's looking back on it it was kind of like partly keeping a lid on things yeah as well as obviously the laws of winning games you know there's just always that kind of one hand on the on the coaching board with the tactics but the other hand just trying to have that release valve for the locker room and the characters which as you're saying now it's probably the hand on the locker room which is the most important thing yeah could you imagine nowadays if uh, uh steph curry decided to go to vegas right in the middle of the season and miss a couple games and go get hammered and <laughs> could you imagine twitter will destroy him Oh my god! But the, the 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 main thing and the ultimate deodorant is is that the fact that they were able to win. You know, had they had yeah. they lost at any point, uh, you know, in that run, then the Vegas trip looks like uh, oh my you know, the worst thing out. Yeah. Oh, that, that's crazy. With social media now today, there's you, there's cameras everywhere. There's, the things they got away with were crazy. Great show, though. Great show. Yeah, they, they, they've absolutely done a, a good job with that. Uh, the one, the one question I want to ask you before we, before we let you go here is, hey, uh, I got all night, man. We got all day. Come on. <laughs> we, we were, t- we were just talked about coaching. And I love to of, talk hoops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so do, so do we. Uh, we just talked about coaching and and, and kind of the uh, the differences in I guess in the in the leagues and the worlds and uh, for you, you know, you, you were an assistant coach for for a while and then and then yep. made that that you know that six inch move over to the big chair and yeah what 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 was some of the uh, challenges that you had to face when uh when, when not only just taking over uh for a national team program but you, you i mean you had been there you'd lived there you played there but yeah. you're, you're not you're not yeah. japanese so what, what was some of the sort of things that you kind of had to, to to i guess overcome uh in your journey as uh as the head coach now yeah wow so <clears throat> I was an assistant coach and associate head coach, uh, assistant coach for six years, associate head coach for one, and then a head coach. So I needed that. I needed to see how coaches in Japan interact with the players. It's a lot different than what happens in America. Um, you know, from what I, from what I knew in America, how coaches interacted with players. It's it's a different. <clears throat> structure on how to speak it, it's completely different i mean so i i was learning not only new vocabulary on how to talk with players um but just a, in a, a, the, the the coaching culture so i needed that time and when i don't you know when i moved over those six inches to the to the head seat I, I'm, I'm the first foreign coach in women's japan history and to have it during, you know, the Tokyo Olympics for me was just such an honor. It was, uh, you know, I, I, it was phenomenal. And, you know, obviously pressure and everything else, that that is what it is. It, you know, getting the players to believe, getting the, the JBA to believe in my system and style of play and, uh, you know, I think having success at the club level was really important, uh, you know, for all those years and, you know, knowing the language and knowing the culture and not needing a translator. I think all that was just really a positive thing. Um, but you're right. You know, I can be here for 80 more years and first glance, people are going to say, well, he's not Japanese. That'll never change. <laughs> Moment, Tom, in the press conference when you translated Japanese into Japanese, I think that, <laughs> showed, that just showed how truly Japanese at heart you are for me. Oh yeah. my god, yeah, Paul, it, I'm so bad. When when I'm thinking in Japanese and talking in Japanese, I can't speak English, and when I'm speaking in English, I can't go back to Japanese. It's just, it's just, I'm not. I'd, I'd be the worst translator ever. No, it was, it was fantastic. A great moment. The, the <laughs> way we were, well, the great relationship you have 
was a it was a lovely moment. It really was one yeah. of my favorites. Uh, That's right. awesome. Tokashki was right on it too, wasn't she? She's like, uh, you got to speak in English. <laughs> <laughs> And that really was one of the uh, the highlights of uh, of the tournament, and and on honestly, um, we hope that we're able to get back together soon and, and oh, actually, yeah. uh, you know, not just talk about things that happen, but talk about things that are happening in the moment. Yeah. Uh, keep safe, stay healthy, and, and give the best to your team. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us and, and spending this time, and uh, hopefully, you don't be a stranger and, and you make some time for us in the future. Uh, you know, I I I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Uh, I love I love talking hoops with you guys, and you know we've had a, a, sheer, a shared experience in Belgium, and you know I can't wait to have you guys over here in Japan and for the Olympics next year. I'm you know it'll be something special. Thank you for listening to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast. Mm-hmm.